up, everybody? Welcome back to Common Sense, the podcast, where conversations and life experiences cross paths on this journey we all call life. This week, uh-huh. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Y'all ready for one? Because I don't know a dude that is much more passionate than this. Like, I feel like I'm sitting talking to Ray Lewis or something when we sit around and talk. Because I can't imagine being on the other side of the ball from him because he's just so intense all the time that... I wouldn't want to have to go up against you, bro. Uh, uh, but welcome to the show, man. Y'all please welcome Martez Wilson. Hey, what's up, bro? How you feeling? How you feeling? Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I've been looking forward to this since we connected. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. I, I just, I, the conversations that we had right out the gate, I was like, man, I got to get you on the show because I, I just know where this is going to go. I'm here now. Yeah, you're here now. We've got some cigars lit up. And just so I don't forget, because everybody beats me up if I forget to tell them what we're smoking. And by the way, these cigars are bomb. Yeah. It tastes good. It's so nice. Martez not a big cigar smoker, so we had to try to find something to fit his profile and what he likes. So what he's smoking is the Angelique, which for anybody that's not a heavy, regular cigar smoker... I think it's an excellent choice for him. It's got a little bit of a sweet taste to the wrapper on it, so it's not overwhelming. Uh, females, it's a great one that they like as well because, again, it's not overwhelming. It kind of can blend with everybody. And so and to add to that, like, so what I feel from it is a nice, uh, very sub, subtle, smooth hit. Yeah. So it tastes good. It's not too sweet. Yeah. I still taste the nice flavor of the the integrity of the cigar. Yeah, where it still give me that nice stone aroma and that hit. Yeah, yeah, it's smooth. Yeah, I like it. So he's smoking that, and I'm smoking Olive Milano Series you gotta Five. Trademark these out the Mito, bro. <laughs> Can't be saying female. <laughs> oh, I calling you out like that. See, so I knew what we were gonna say. There. It's very good for a light smoker or a first time smoker. There you go. There you go. No matter what the genius. And, and if you're new to, c- to the cigar world like myself, exactly. That part right it's there. perfect. And then he's going with a cognac. I've got the the Monarchs Buffalo Trace pick that they just did. Cheers, man. Cheers to another great day. Absolutely. So, Martez, why don't, for those that don't know who you are or know about mm-hmm. you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about where you're from? You know, I know you're born and raised in Chicago, but tell everybody a little bit about your background, where you're raised, where you grew up. Give us a little bit of background about Martez. Awesome, awesome. Okay, originally, my name is Martez Wilson, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Grew up, growing up in a Stayway Gardens. It's called Stayway Gardens, which is the projects of Chicago, Illinois. Okay, we stayed on the 13th floor, 1305. I remember my building. Um, we was a, we was very fortunate to have the the L, our elementary school right across the street, so we can go down the stairs. Literally, I go down 13 flights, school across the street. It was a very well diverse neighborhood. When I say that, what I mean is, we was able to go out and parlay with the other children in the community. Parents was. Also helping parent other children. It was very beautiful. It was it's very different, but it's very difficult growing up, right? Yeah. So I didn't see a lot of uh, real estate owners. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I didn't know none about uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, that didn't even exist yeah. until I became an adult. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But uh, starting off, grew up in grew up in Stayway Gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Chicago, it's around like 39th in state. 
or federal. Okay. Uh, it's very similar to the same streets, how they make Chicago. And that, like, if you know the history of Chicago, you would know now exactly where I'm located. And from there, what happened was uh, I always loved football. I always was that guy. And the funny, cool story is, so we living in the projects. My father, he bought me some brand new Levi's, brand new. <laughs> I'm talking about just literally out the pack. He say, son, don't go downstairs and get no grass stains in them pants because they know I love football. Him and my mom, right? Yeah. Uh, and to this day, like literally, like, I go downstairs. <laughs> Soon I go downstairs. I, they like, Tez, let's play a pickup game. I play a pickup game, football, grass stains in my jeans. First play of the game. Of course. I'm excited. Didn't care. So I try to stay outside as long as possible, right? Go upstairs. Yeah. This is just a little funny story real quick. Street Go lights came on. I try, to write, I try to walk right past my parents, right? My dad like, hey, 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 boy. Bring your back in. I'm looking like, no, no, no. Oh, man, he caught me, he caught me. I'm trying to hurry up, turn my pants off. Say, no, bring them pants back out here. There ain't no way you, you'll change that quick. I had grass stands, and I, of course I got in trouble. But he, he smiled at me, and what that led up to was my passion for football. Yeah, I always just naturally loved it. I always was good amongst my peers. When I was in third grade, I was playing with the seventh and eighth graders. Yeah, like that was my blessing, my calling. Um, and after the projects, you know, they tore the projects down. Um, when I was around in sixth grade, after sixth grade, my sixth grade year, mm -hmm. they tore the projects down. So now that we were forced to move outside the projects, we started living amongst the other communities in Chicago. Okay, and we moved to what you call uh, Inglewood. Um, around 76 in Hermitage, 76 in um, Princeton, um, right off Vincennes, you know, uh, shout, out, shout out to the land, you know, back out, shout out to the land, you know, already know, man, y'all already know. And what that meant was a development for my life because that, that allowed me now not only to learn how to develop amongst the other Chicagoans, but the other kids that's in different communities that grew up in different projects, yeah. Right. So now we in neighborhoods. So now we finally living in it like a regular neighborhood. So now I'm having a doubt. So now in seventh in seventh eighth grade. Okay, I fast forward to eighth grade real quick. Right. We mm -hmm. live, we live in the same neighborhood. I meet this coach named Coach Roberts. One of the best coaches in my life. That's bold too why? because this guy's played for a lot of great coaches, a lot of great leaders of men. And, and, and I'm going to be honest, the leaders of men, I had a father, don't get me wrong, my father's an amazing yeah. man. Always been here, all right? Stand-up guy, love his wife, love, love our family. Yeah. Stand-up guy. But the level of my intellect and the level of who I was as a person always just needed an outside resource to excel my intellect, right? Yeah. Mets Coach Robert. He was, not only did I play pass, basketball at the time in eighth grade, right? Yeah. After the basketball season, he was like, hey, you're a little too, too aggressive for basketball. It's this football team. Um, it's, it's a, at the time, it was a, a, a park district team. Uh -huh. So they was called the Panthers, but they practiced right outside of the high school that I attended the following year. Okay. And it was called the Panthers. He was like, hey, you should, you should go attend. So I attend a camp. I attend. I, I make the team. I was a, what you call an all-star practice player. I'm talking about full speed, every pass thrown. You're that guy that everybody's mad at because you have no turn I was it down. Him. But look, watch this. In eighth grade, 
Never played equipment football. First game, though, I was not the same player. <laughs> Shakery, like, nervous. I'm talking about hands up, barely catching the ball. I catch my first long pass, 60 yards, still get caught, right? I get caught on the five-yard line. <laughs> Hopefully, we, we scored. We scored. But still, it goes to show the integrity of not only being nervous, but persevering through a task that was challenging that you didn't know that you can get overcome that I yeah. overcame and from 8th grade and ninth grade I went from being that that timid child playing ball to the best player in the Chicago what in pushed, Chicago what, what pushed you past that you think it was how you were raised by your parents or what what gave you that to not quit not let that overwhelm you but to to keep working to be better and not let that just overtake you what I seen but I know where, where, where I came from, making out the concrete jungle. Yeah. I really come from the concrete jungle, right? So, mm -hmm. so it's, okay, just to add to that, it's me and six siblings. Okay. Okay? We in one household, so it's nine of us. When we first started off, it's nine of us, three-bedroom apartment building in the projects when we first started off. I'm talking about five boys in one room. Wow. My sisters share their room. My mom and her dad, I mean, my mom and his wife share their room. I, like, literally, me and my brothers was in a room, like, literally, bum bad, bum bad, bum bad. That was motivation to say that, this, like, no, I, I want my own room. I was a growing kid. I was a big kid all my life. Yeah. So that was motivation for me, period, okay. period. I said, I'm going to stick this through. So when I got to high school, right? Oh, okay, hold up, hold up. To, to add to that, so yeah. I'm balling out for the Panthers. The high school coach, his name Coach T. He say, "Who is this kid running down the running down the field fast?" He came and was like, "Hey, how your grades look? Uh, we need you here." It just so happened my father went to Simeon, so I was already obligated to go to Simeon to, in my head, right? Yeah. End up, my grades good, everything good. Get accepted to Simeon. I go to Simeon. Simeon is what you call a vocational school in Chicago. Okay. What that means is that we have real trade skills that allow you to, to actually take it to the real world. I'm talking about cosmetology, culinary arts, uh, body mechanic, yeah. drafting, graphic design, commercial art. You name it, we had it. Yeah. So you, we have real skills. Um and to answer the question, what you asked me, they gave me motivation to make a difference, to be a leader, to break the curse. Yeah. Like nobody in my family ever went to college. Nobody in my family ever made it to the NFL. Yeah. We just always seen people make it. But <laughs> literally my parents even know I was next in yeah. line. Yeah. And then ends up going to the and University of Illinois. It, yes. Starting all four years. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive right there alone. Not just I starting was, off four years. I went to college as a five-star. Yeah. You can't forget that now. Five-star recruit. I mean, and I think, what was it? Let me see here. Four, four, nine, forty. Yeah. I mean, you ain't talking about they just didn't see some kid that was kind of running fast. I mean, a four, four, ninety for a man your size? I was 252. Yeah, and you were even bigger then. I mean, you're obviously a little that retired now. So you were, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's hey, I got a funny story for you. All right. All right, look, let's go back to high school. All right. All right, look. So I'm in high school, right? 
so I'm a five star student now, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, so what made me a five star? Let, let's start there. A lot of people want to know, oh, how you become a five star? Okay. So my junior year of high school, I had I started defensive end. Uh, we was running a three four defense. Uh, yep. We called it five two three four defense. Very similar. Yep. I had 18 sacks this my my true junior year in high school. 18 sacks, seven forced fumbles, five forced fumbles. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. 18 sacks, seven forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, two interceptions. All my true junior year. As a defensive end. As a defensive end. 99 tackles for the year, right? It's like Michael Parsons before there was Michael Parsons. Stupid. Like, <laughs> uh, Von Miller was actually in my year. Like, uh, found, anyway, that's a funny yeah. story, too. Found out, I, so I was number one in, in, our, in our whole high school class for a very long time. And... After that season, I go against Ramon Johnson. He was he was he was about to be. Uh, he committed to Tennessee, University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. The, at the time, they had a quarterback named Demetrius Johnson, mm-hmm. Demetrius Jones. They we call him Double D. He was being he had a, a scholarship to Notre Dame. So now I'm going against a Notre Dame quarterback and a Tennessee commit uh, offensive tackle. Yeah. Two All-Americans. Yeah. At this time, I'm not an All-American. Yeah. It's the third game of the season. I have three sacks against them. Flying past them. Who is this kid? Into the game with 12 tackles, three sacks. Man. After this, the whole run knew who I was, right? Literally, my life turned upside down, literally in a heartbeat. At the end of that game, I met this guy by the name of Edgy Tim. And you tell him, like, do you have a highlight tape? I'm like, no, what's that highlight tape? I don't know what that is. Mm. <laughs> you know what Just let you know, like, we don't, we don't know nothing, man. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I didn't even know what a highlight tape was at the time. So, right? So, Edgy Tim say, I need you to make a highlight tape. My, my, remember, I told you, I'm on vacation in high school, right? Yeah. My major was commercial design. I was videoing and editing anything that we was doing. Okay. As far as cla- I was doing class assignments first. Then I told told my 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 my, st- <laughs> my teacher. I say, Mr. Mouse. His name was Mr. Mouse. I say, listen, this will help me get a college scholarship. Please help me make my highlight tape. He allowed me to. He said, as long as you do all your work first, I allow you to do that next. End up making my highlight tape. Got it to Edgy Tim. Literally the minute I got it to Edgy Tim. I sent it to him in DVD form. Like, I was recording from VHS, yeah. sent it to the computer, sent it to DVD, made everything myself. Literally, when I handed it to him, overnight, literally, like within a week, I'm getting phone calls, college schools, coming to, the, come to my high school now. I was the first kid on the south side of Chicago to have UFC come to my high school. Walking through my Nate, like walking through the hallways of a Simeon High School. I was the first kid that did that. I put on for all the kids in my high school that's now been recruited for the NFL, yeah, for college that's getting D1 scholarships. I'm proud to say I was, you know what I'm saying, Number the one. head of that first. whole circle. Yeah, one of the most highly recruited players to ever lead Illinois high school football, and that's what started my career. See, and yeah, how did you? Legacy. How'd you choose to stay in Illinois? Because obviously that wasn't the only offer you got. 
was it just this hometown loyalty and love, or Mm-mm. what? Ma- what made you stay and choose the University of Illinois? Runza and Reggie Mitchell. Okay. Runza came to our house. He sat in our house and he said, "And, and don't get me wrong, Jim Trussell came by. Like it, it, several colleges yeah. came by. You know that. You know we ain't gonna speak on today. But when Runza came, he said, let me tell you something.' And he leaned into me like this. He said, "Let me tell you something." Everybody painting this picture to you in watercolors. But it's it's a big picture in watercolors. It has no clear picture, no clear portrait. You don't know what it is. See, I'm here to tell you, college is going to be tough. College is going to be hard. It's going to be times you want to quit. It's going to be times you want to come home to your mom and dad. But guess what? When you're home, we your mom and dad. We going to be here for you. See, you need to, you're going to work for your position. I know you're a five-star. I don't mean you are all-star. Nobody was talking to me like that. That's the type of talk I wanted to hear for me. Yeah. I went to Illinois, and that's the, you know, I was able to lead our first year. We went to the Rose Bowl. We went from 2-9 to 9-3 to my first year, freshman year. Played against USC in the Rose Bowl one year. So I changed the losing program to winning program with my commitment. Me and Riz Band and other few big commitments went to Illinois. And you difference. had a pretty big game in that Rose Bowl, if I oh, remember Oh, man, correctly. I had a big game that whole year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the Rose Bowl, you know, it was a little surprising, like, but we made it. We took a losing team to a winning team and let yeah. them know that the right leaders can do that. It's all about how you operate. Yeah, because before that, I, and I only know this because I went to high school with Darren Williams, and he okay. was a few years before you, but he – he brought the national championship sure. to the basketball program. Him and Luther Head and all them guys. Yes, yeah. sir. So, you know. So I was there. Okay. So, yeah, I was You had, had a football season, though, like that in a major bowl like that in a really long time. Correct. If ever, if I correct off the top of my head. That's correct. All right. So, junior year, though, you end up herniating a disc in your neck. True. How's that set you back? How do you work through that? How, how, how'd that affect you? Where, where'd you go from that? Because I know you came back after that, hmm. obviously, to go on and still do things, but there's a lot of people that that can stop right there. Good. So to a lot of people that's, as, that's listening to, what it did was it put me in a position to see how much I wanted to play football, too. Yeah. It, see, it put me in a position to see that I really want to do what I wanted to do. Okay, because what I mean was, for the first time in my life, football was almost over with. I'm talking about the doctor was like, we got to put a plate in your neck. Like, you know, so now I got to put a plate in my neck. I have a neck surgery. I'm like, like I, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. So not only it take, ag- it take aggression away from you being a player, it takes uh, the ability that you think you're going to get hurt again. That always in your brain. Yeah. So how you overcome that? Because that's the first major or really any type of significant injury that would be even talked about that you really had in your career Correct. at that point, right? That was my first injury. Yeah, like you hadn't torn a knee or, you know, anything like that. Or injury. really messed up your shoulder or clavicle or anything like that. Like you you hadn't really experienced anything. And then it's my neck. to a neck injury. My neck injury. Yeah. You do everything with your neck. Yeah. You don't realize how significant it is until, like, after the surgery, I'm sitting in a neck brace. I mean, I say I have to go to class, but I got to turn like this. Yeah. I got to turn my whole shoulders, right? So now, 
my teammates still looking up on me. They say, this is what gave me confidence. 20 of my key players that came to me that was also leaders and said, Tez, we know what you're going through is hard, but we believe in you. Get through this. We got you. That was enough. Like, and when you're talking about yeah. the camaraderie, like, that's when a locker room and a karate of a team, and it teach you the significance of being a part of a, a group of men that we fighting for the same goal. It ain't, it ain't number wins at the end of this, this, this challenge. It yeah. ain't number glory at the end of this challenge, whether we win or lose. But we go through the fight together. It's no different than war. It's no different than our army, right? Yeah. So that's what we went through. I had brethren that came to me, that helped me, and solidified that my leadership was not only solidified, but what I have done and I have proven is still here. So when I come back, I need, hey, not only your spot here, but of course I'm out of work for, but we respect that spot because it was it was one. It's yours. It was one. Back. It was one correctly. Yeah. Yes, sir. I earned it. And then you come back and you're like second in the conference and tackles and just blowing it up right yeah, out the gate again. Big boy, you know, you know, I did my thug deal. I mean, man, to come back in one year. I mean, a lot of guys come back in that first year back from a major injury, especially when they're first. You have a recovery year, you know. I mean, you you're not going to play at a hundred and ten percent like you were typically, but you kind of break that mold too, and you come back and second in the conference, and I think you only missed it by like point one or whatever to be yeah number one in the conference. yeah because they play they play an extra quarter in the in <laughs> overtime game, and so he had five more tackles that guy. I was like, no. So yeah, that that that's how that happened. Man, but yeah, it, it's it, it was great. And to follow that season, what happens after that? You get to the NFL, man. Drafted third round, twenty eleven draft. I mean, blessings, man. That's and you know you, you you real blessing because the draft pick you were drafted with was traded. You could have been a Redskin instead. You get to go to the Saints. I mean, that's a pretty – I mean, in that 2011, that defense was pretty damn solid of what you're walking Man, into. I thought I was going to go to about 10 to 12 different teams before that draft. Mm-hmm. I tried out for the for the Baltimore Ravens when Ray Lewis was still playing. I thought oh. I, I was I wanted to go there so bad. I'm like, they about to draft me. I know I'm about to go here. Yeah. Like, they literally gave me a one-on-one workout. They flew me out to see the facility. I'm like, I'm about to be a Raven. Like, in my head, as a linebacker, as a middle linebacker, too, what other better coach as a player and a leader and a mentor than Ray Lewis? I was like, what? What? I get to be with the, what? 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 Like, you know what I'm saying? So, that didn't happen. But, like, anyway, uh, yeah, it felt good because I was still a a Buckers Award member, and it allowed me to, to be recognized that I was still... D number one uh, inside linebacker drafted in my draft class. That's amazing, man. That's that's awesome. And then you go right to the Saints, and you end up in an NFC Championship game, and you blow that up too against the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, you had some like like what you have like one and a half sacks in in a championship game, and just yep. come and out and force fumble. Don't forget and my force fumble. fumble. Yeah, hey, that force fumble means something now. Yeah, uh, Drew B's sure. got the ball back because it almost gave you guys the win. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys lost that game, I think, by three points. Yeah, yeah, they called. Goal. Oh, my God, they did that look. Yeah, they did that look. <laughs> that run pat, Alex Smith, he rolled out to his left. Like, oh, my God, we blitzed. I left. I, I can't know. I would never forget that play. It was a rollout. <laughs> a quarterback rollout. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, went on to have a very successful, good career. I mean, you played for the Saints, the Cowboys, the mm-hmm. Raiders. Mm-hmm. All defensive juggernauts. What what are some of the lessons maybe that you take that maybe you learned on the field, but that you apply to your life still off the field? Because like I said earlier, you you were around a lot of great leaders of men from the time being raised by your father to these coaches you've already talked about. Now you're in the NFL and you got defensive coordinators and head coaches and you know other people around you that are also other mm-hmm. phenomenal leaders of men. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the lessons that you still carry today or that you can use today that you, re, you remember fondly from, from your, these different great leaders? Uh, uh, that's a good question. I like this question. One, the number one person who can get the job done is yourself. Two, when you have a teammate and you agree to be a part of a team, that has one, it's called one beat in our world. One beat, one accord, one footstep, one movement. What that means is that it's same like the army, left, right, left, right, left, right. When you hear that, you hear one beat. It's called a heartbeat. What that means is that when you move left, you know I have your right. Because I got to move left, but what's to your, when you move left, your right is vulnerable. That means I got your right when you move left. So one of the biggest lessons is no matter what, you always your brother's keeper. Discipline. Get the job done. No matter what it takes. And what that means is if we need if it mean that seven, but we lose we lost the last three games, we need to be at the mean that six collectively as a team. Now this distinguish the leaders amongst the team. Are you gonna get your group of linebackers and say, uh we, we missed ten tackles last week? We need to come practice some tackles. On the field, how that translate on the field. Everything I do, like, even such as an interview like this, right, I would yeah. go back and look at it and be like, uh, could I have chosen better words to speak on a su- specific subject, right? right? So what football taught me is constructive criticism in a correct way, correct form, to allow myself to grow. Right. And show others that it works, right? So it allows you to always have room and error to grow. And, like, no matter what, what's going on, every situation is a we'll execute the play. Once the play is done, did we do it well or did we do it bad? More importantly, how did he, the opposite team, gets extra yards, right? So in real life. How did I allow myself to do this? So it's like breaking down everything and keeping all the principles, what football taught you, leadership, teamwork, effort, uh, how to be a team player, how to lead up, how to take constructive criticism. More importantly, how do you recognize a problem and solve it? Yeah. That's the biggest lesson I learned. I'm a problem solver. You got a problem, I hit a problem. What's the solution? We solution this on defense. We, we, we are the guys you're seeing in to go attack. 
And I love this too because this is like we we talk about this a lot. Like, don't just talk about it. You got to be about it. You got to take action. You, we can talk about what the problem is. We can talk about what the solution is. But you can't be that person that just sits there and doesn't do anything with it either. You you got you got to move. You brought a problem action. there. Yeah, exactly. If we losing, and you just gonna be like, we losing. Don't you think I know that? Yeah. What's the solution to make us not lose? Or do you have any? If not, just go cheer. Yeah. Matter of fact, don't say nothing to me right now because I'm focused. I'm a scientist right now. I'm, I'm in my profession. You know what I'm saying? All right, here's where we can probably dive off. Go ahead. Maybe, maybe this will be a good one. Let's get it. I have the belief. Okay. And this is where I want to ask about your time with the Cowboys. Let's go. And I'm a diehard Cowboy fan, season ticket holder. I love the Cowboys. Grew up watching the Cowboys and the Chiefs. America's saying, baby. Yeah. So my problem is I think Jerry Jones is the greatest damn salesman probably to ever walk this earth. Mm -hmm. He sells that star better than anybody. I agree. The number one thing I think from the players I've been around, the people I've talked to, and just me as a fan watching I'm a big fan of Mike Tomlin, which is funny to say as a Cowboys fan that I'm a fan of a Steelers coach. But Mike Tomlin uses a, say, a saying all the time. You hear him, you hear him say, um, God, now I'm losing my train of thought. But uh, Mike Tomlin will come in and say, you know, we didn't execute. He doesn't make excuses. He just kind of comes in and he'll say, uh, kind of like it is what it is, you know, mm -hmm. like, that that's how it is with the Cowboys. A lot of times, it doesn't seem like everybody in that facility believes that they're the best when they cross that line. Like that, there's like a little bit of lost. I mean, I've seen it change different teams. You are we were talking there, about players or who coaching? Are we coaching. I mean, like the coaching to players. Like when you when you see this, like what keeps the Cowboys from getting over the edge? That it's the Mike Tomlin says the standard is the standard. And I've heard you basically say the standard is the standard when you're talking about the different teams you played on and the brothers and the brethren that you had holding each other accountable, you know, showing up at 6 a.m. when your meeting starts at 7. That you guys, that there's somebody on that team, whether it's the veterans or all you, but collectively you're all in whether it's the defensive unit. And sometimes the team has a defensive unit that's all in. Maybe the offense ain't all in. And you watch the team struggle. And one, one can be stronger than the other. But how did you deal with this, or how did you help try to bring that to the culture? Because from what I've heard from a lot of players is Cowboys, is just an example, haven't always had that. They may have it on one side, maybe not the other. But you've came from teams that always seem to have had that where they had that mentality. Did you feel when you were with the Cowboys that they had that maybe on your defensive unit or as a whole, or is that something you tried to help bring to, to do that? Because I personally think that's a weakness that I don't think they always have that full buy-in that like everybody's trying to go that extra mile, holding each other accountable to that standard. That's kind of like, Oh, uh, well, you know, kind of like when you watched, uh, Amari Cooper, they let Amari Cooper go. Cause I think it was causing problems in the locker room that they were letting him just, you know, show up on game day and play. He didn't practice the pads all week, kind of let him go, give him those excuses, whatever, the leniency that they give him. But I feel like if, if that's where Jerry and them kind of drew a line with him, that 
maybe some of these younger players that are a little prima donna-ish didn't have that backbone and they didn't want to be that, well, you're letting him do this. Like, well, I, I ain't practicing so today. A, that's a broad question. It is a right. broad question. All right, so I'm answered on a few different points, okay? All right. So first off, me as a leader, what I bring to the table is I know, like, for example, right, okay, linebackers, we got to run. Like, people like myself, Michael Parsons, we what you call on a football team, not only the at gladiators, we 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 the ghost recons. Yeah, we the guys you put in the last two minutes. We the guys you put in on every third down. We the guys you put on if it's third and eight, you need a sack. We the guys you put in when you need something to happen. We the guys. We your special ops, right? Yeah. So what we what I bring, what I have brought, and I'm I'm asking all the questions that you asked. Extra, extra sprint, extra leadership. Uh, in the NFL, Tuesdays, we off. I go in and run, still. Run my extra sprints. Yeah. Extra reps. Because on Wednesday, not only do I have special teams for myself, but I know when it's two men, that's when I got to go the hardest, and it's the hardest part of the game because it don't stop. Yeah. If you get 20 yards, I got to go back and redo it again and then rush to rush hard. If I'm on sack or if I'm a man covers, if I'm a man covers, you run 20 down, 20, 30, 40 yards down the field, I got to come back and get ready for the next play, whether you get no yards or some. So what that brings, like, integrity in myself is, hey, ain't no time for Ain't no time for crying. Ain't no time for, you know what I'm saying, itching out, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. ain't no time for none of that. Put on your big boy pants. We're going to put it together. Get on the field, do it again, show up early, and execute. When I was playing, that's what I brought, okay? Today's language, like what they's bringing, is very similar, but you're asking the Cowboys. You're asking their they leadership. You're asking their management. Not only do Jerry Jones love his team, not only is his baby, but you got to understand if you're good at business, you're good at business. Not good at management ain't the same thing as being good at business. Right. Right? So... When it comes to a winning team, you got to think he still was the management when they was winning. So what was different then versus what was different now? Yeah. That's how he look at it as well. And what a lot of people don't know outside looking in, Jerry Jones is one of the only owners that come in the locker room that actually talk to us. He congratulated us. You see him. Yeah. You can shake his hand. You can parlay with him. Like, when I say parlay, what I mean is – Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Hey, Mrs. Jones, how y'all doing? Yeah. It's not no, I never seen a person on the, this team. I never seen him. He's a part of the team. He love his team. He love what he do. Um, I just think it's a guy in that power. It's hard to give up something that you see yeah. be at the highest plateau, especially when Eminem was playing, Michael Irvin was playing. And it's hard to get that up because all it takes is one good season, one one time to get it right in the NFL. Yeah. But this is the thing. But you got other players who's good. Yeah. You got other coaches who's good. So it, it, I don't know. You were there when Parcells coaches. was there, right? I was not. Was it not Parcells? I was not. Who was coaching when you were there with the Cowboys? When I was there, remember. it was Jason Garrett. Okay. 
We're going to leave that as a push. All right. I love Sean Payton. When you get done playing with Drew Brees and you go playing with <laughs> Tony Romo, it is what it is, you know. Hey, I'm ready for my, my what it is to come. All right. It's a difference. Yeah. The way Drew, Bre- Drew Brees used the warm-up so intensive where you thought we was finna go into the game. I learned that I wasn't warming up good. He, uh, uh, I'm talking about just warming up his hips. He, we ain't even start running. Practice haven't even started, bro. I'm like, he's a champion. I ain't never seen nobody like this. He's my quarterback, by the way. He don't got to run, sprint, do none of what we're doing. Yeah. But he doing what we got to do. Yeah. That's, that's called a leader. Yeah. So I think his stats and everything else prove what that created. And that's what lead the offense and defense is, is led by leaders like myself. Like, unfortunately, my injury, but leaders like myself, other people that, that see that we got to win. We do. Yeah. We the leader of the defense, too, right? You the middle linebacker, you the quarterback of the defense. Period. So, yeah. So, leadership in the Cowboys also got something to do with not only is the coach control thing, but it, it takes the right players. You got to think. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs was hurt all year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Bland sucked up. Bless his soul. He yeah. came pro bowler. Very yeah. good. But imagine if it was Bland and Diggs. Imagine if they discovered Bland. Yeah. Before Diggs got hurt, yeah. and then it was Bland and Diggs on the other side. I'm just saying that's two Imagine quarterbacks. Imagine if Overshawn hadn't got hurt. I'm just saying that take, that take your game. two best receivers out yeah. the game because now we know we got two pro bowl corners. Yeah. So it can go Little all things. over the board. Like it can go like, you know. Um, overall, I believe Jerry is a great owner. Love his players and team. Absolutely. Do we all think he should give up management? That's because we haven't won a championship. But if we won a championship this year, no one would have been saying that. Yeah. They would have been like, That's his true. leadership finally paid off. His management finally mm-hmm. did what he was doing. Mike McCarthy was the best coach. Dak Prescott finally did it. I'm glad we had Trey Pollard. Ooh, you would have heard all the yeah. Hollywood stories. It's the same thing you hear with Belichick now because, oh, Belichick can't win without Brady. Uh, it's no different than what's going on right now with the 49ers. Did you yeah. know that? You know who uh, Ed McCaffrey is? Yeah. Okay. Ed McCaffrey played with Mike Shanahan. Yeah. Kristen McCaffrey players with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Do you know they both sons? Yeah. Of them two coaches and players? Right. So what I'm saying is history not only repeats itself, it just happens. Right. What, uh, I want to make sure I word this right because there's something else that I think is amazing and talking to you. I don't remember what it was that actually got us talking about this. Mm-hmm. But, so you retired 2015? 2015. 2015 you retired. I had a neck injury. With your neck injury. Which, injury also, like, you know, you didn't really go out on your own terms completely because you got an injury. Correct. But what do you think's attributed to you being able to... Because I've... Out of a lot of the players I've been around, I don't see others that have adjusted as well as you overall as quickly. 
you know, you got mental health stuff, you got all this stuff, but like when, when the thing that you loved and that you spent your whole life working for gets taken away, some people's identity stays with that mm-hmm. and they're not able to move on. Mm-hmm. And they can't even watch a football game, really. They can't have enjoyment out of it. You've moved on, and we're going to get into the other things that you do, but what do you think, because I think this is important, I want other players or whoever hears this to be able to hear this, because out of all the ones I've been around, you're one of a handful of few that I think truly has, and I've watched you sit and watch a game and be all riled up for it and enjoying it. You're not the guy sitting in the corner like, man, this sucks, you know, like, why am I at this suite, you know, watching this game? Like, you were a Pro Bowl badass player, and it's like, man, he 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 can't even stand to watch a game now. And it's like, man, his identity is still just tied up there. What, what helped you move on and find some of your other passions when the NFL was over? Good question. I should did go through mental health. Mental health, not even easy. better. How'd you how'd you deal with that? Because you're obviously dealing with it and doing with it well. And I'm dealing with it today. Yeah. Um, see, mental health is very difficult. When I when I mean it's difficult, okay, you making millions of dollars, X a million dollars. Like, let's start there. Yeah. Okay. Not only that, myself. I'm gonna use myself as an example. I go from being a five-star athlete, drafted in top 100, about to get ready and get paid good, about to get ready to hit my second contract. Then I have a life-ending injury that alters my life. For the first two years of my injury, I was on home confinement. Doctor ordered me, I couldn't lift shit over 20 years. I mean, over 10, 10 pounds old, 10 pounds. I couldn't lift nothing over 10 pounds. 250-pound premier athlete. Strong. Cannot Ooh. lift 10 pounds. Living up chairs like this and then living. Yeah. Now, he said, you can't lift them another 10 pounds. You know why? Because the nerves in my back were so bad that the, the fluid that goes in your spine, they they have what you call a meter. It's, it's 0.71, right? Mine okay. was 0.68 which is considered fatal, which means another hit in my life, I had a chance of being paralyzed neck down. Yeah. Paralyzed, neck yeah. down. How you go through that? Martez didn't suffer through none of that. No, actually, I went five years hating the sport. I actually was very derogatory. And then it hit me one day. I just sat and thought, a friend of mine asked me, he said, what would you be if you didn't play football, though? Mm. What if you didn't choose to go to college? You chose it, right? I know you hurt, but what you crying about? Because you're still a one percent in Martez. Yeah. Damn, I started thinking. That makes sense. How I get over it, how I overcome it. I started hearing special gentlemen like yourself, other voices and other men that was going through pain. And then, I, unfortunately, I had a teammate I played college ball with by the name of Daniel Dufresne committed suicide due to what they call CTE for us. 
Mm-hmm. But it's actually through trauma, making it so high, taking on so much responsibility, not doing nothing you love, boom, and then you trap. And a lot of people like to ask me the comparison, and I like to ask this comparison back. Imagine a doctor. It takes almost 10 or 12 years to be a doctor. You have to go through not only being a doctor, right? You got not only part of law school, right? Not only residency, not only do you have to go practice in real life, but it almost take 12 years before you become a doctor. And then imagine that. Second year, you became a doctor. Almost similar to Marvel, like Doctor Strange, right? Right. Something happened to your hands. But you're the best orthopedic surgeon on the, on the planet. But your hands ain't steady enough to fix on my knee. What you do with your life? That was your God-given talent. So what we do is, so what I have done was, I exercised my ability of my mental. I did real estate. I did insurance. I even worked in the dealership for six months just to learn a game of how they move money. Um, I tried different marketing exercises. Then I started my own transportation company after the, the preservation of failing, of seeing that I didn't want to be a real estate agent. That's how I overcame it by realizing that I still have so much to give. Yeah, because you look like a serial entrepreneur on paper Period. for sure because you've gotten, like you said, real estate, financial funding, transportation companies, CBD, shaman. You know, you've done, I mean, dream flights. I mean, all these different things. Like, how have you found a passion now out of doing these things? Or are we still doing that? Because it sounds like you found some things that are really working for you in this process. I have. And did you also have to do therapy? I mean, like, do you recommend therapy to people? I mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but, like, it sounded like you didn't just do it on your own. You started having friends reaching out, friends talking to you. You had to witness another friend taking his life, unfortunately. But, like, how how did you continue to evolve in that and and get to where you are? Because even five years, some of these guys I'm talking about been out ten years. They ain't a third of the way to where you are right now. And I just, there's an importance to this. And and I think people need to know that even someone of of your stature and of the things you've accomplished to hear and know that you struggled through those things. And then to see all the little ways you got yourself out of that is super important. I live by my life quarter I I developed. My desire to win is 100% greater than my chance to fail. That's my life I like quote. that. I like that a lot. My desire to win is 100% greater than my chance to fail. And what that means by myself is that although I made it to the league, I may have got hurt. I didn't fail myself because I succeeded. See, I got hurt. That don't mean I can't stop winning behind the people believing me. So to answer your question, yes, I had therapy. Never stop having therapy. I have therapists to this day. I have three. By the way, do I struggle still? Yes, it's times where I get into myself, may not go out a week, and I ain't talking about, when I say not go out, I mean like literally staying at home. Yeah. Phone may be ringing, but don't want to talk to nobody. Sometimes I didn't know why this was happening. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a football player. I'm just a, been around my people. I'm just yeah. smiling. Hey, how you doing? Hey, take your pictures. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, all of a sudden, sometimes you be like, where am I? 
feel like that. Where are these thoughts coming from? Man? That that thing CTE or that thing of I, I think it's bigger than CTE. I think it's something in our head that takes us away from our inner circle of people that we need to keep pumping us up to believe in who you was before you made it. We sometimes we tend to cut them people off, especially yeah. when people get successful getting money. But when you first made it, it was them small people that and I ain't gonna when I let me rephrase that. It was the intermediate people and the core people that when we like right now we're talking and you're yeah. like, Tez, do you know you just you run the fastest or whatever you can go. It's yeah. like the little stats that keep you motivated. Like today, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed. But I have my intermediate family, uh, people around me that remind me, hey, do you know how good you was? Yeah. Do you know that you really did this? Do you know that you, do you know that this, do, do you remember that you did this? So the remembrances, like uh-huh. when they help me remember them history moments, plus my therapy, it allowed me now to remember me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, was it today? No. Before no. I was able to do this interview, yeah, I was not the same person three years ago. I'm going to tell you that today. Right. I was going through my own mental things too. Right. Like, and it was, it, mine was more so, damn, I reached it so high. Made it so far. Accomplished so much. Invested in my loved ones. I'm going to let down right now. Who here for me? But you got to remember. See, this is, you asked me a question. How, how I persevered through this. Yeah. You got to remember, we signed up to be the leader. Yeah. We signed up for the responsibility. Period. Yeah. We signed up for the challenge. We decided that it was us amongst our group, for our family, amongst my tribe, amongst my people that relate to the outside tribe, amongst my intermediates, that's going to go out and make a difference. See, I have to remember that. Did you have to change your circle? Because I think out of all the different people that come from all the different walks of life that I talk to when we sit down on the show and do this, whether it's a failed business, a failed marriage, a failed this, a failed that, a failed career, or an injury, or this and that, you know, people have dealt with this. But I think, and I think I remember you touching on this a little bit, and this is why I'm asking this, because I think this might be important too. You went from being that guy that, you know, you're getting paid millions of dollars, you're living a lifestyle that is different. And the people around you that are your friends right now, Oh, hey, Martez, how was the game Sunday? Man, how are you doing? Hey, what, what do you want to go get into? All this and that. But when the injury happens, the retirement happens, I'm imagining that not all those people stuck around. And you maybe found out that some people that you thought were really close friends in your circle maybe weren't or maybe shouldn't be. Did making or recognizing any of those things and making those changes, how crucial, or if it did happen, how crucial do you think that was? Because I've heard you say you brought family and part of your tribe back in. Did you also have to get rid of some of that tribe and, and or realize that that person's probably just an acquaintance? That's not a true friend. I maybe thought they were, or maybe they were riding that line. 
Did you have to make that adjustment? Because I think those are important adjustments Hell too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yes. I had to make that adjustment. Uh, first of all, the first most difficult part was I was taking care of my mother's and parents' house that to this day that we own, though, but when I first made it to the league, I was taking care of that. Mm-hmm. One of my first responsibilities was, hey, I can't do that no more. How do you even tell your mom and dad or anybody else that you got to cut them off? So if I was able to cut off my mom and dad from something that was internal, everybody else, yes, it was difficult. Was it difficult? I'm talking about this time, I'm talking probably two weeks before I even came to you. You hear me? Yeah. <laughs> before we even discussed, hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't even have the words. The, the thought were there, but the words weren't there. So, mm-hmm. yes, I had to. It's not that I wanted to cut the people off. Actually, you're not told how to deal with the money and the people around you to bring them up correctly to recognize everyone's talent. You're not, we're not. I can't speak very well. I wasn't able to recognize, and I can say a lot of athletes may concur or agree, may disagree. We're able to recognize the significance of the power of the implemented responsibility that we're given. No different than a millionaire boss, multi-millionaire boss, no different than a billionaire, no different than you assigned me to be ambassador of this nonprofit or, a C, or the CEO of your company, right? I have yeah. to know how to manage the employees, keep them, Retain them. Retain our customers. Mm-hmm. Show the profit. Show this. How do you do that? It's the same way. So, yes, I had to cut certain people off, but I realized that really we was cut off because we was te- we was being taught incorrectly. See, this, oh, you want to know what nobody talk about? <clears throat> I'm going to let y'all hear icebreaker. Um, we are taught bad things in the league. The first thing we taught is that your family will be the first ones to ask for your funds. Your family will be the first ones with their hands out. Remember, before I got to leave, what I said, I made to leave to help who? My family. Yeah. Shouldn't they be the first ones with their hand out? I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure you take care. This is not coming to you, but yeah. speaking to the masses, that's who I'm speaking to. Yeah. I'm quite sure your family's taken care of. I'm quite sure your wife and your grandchildren and your loved ones is okay. Someone taught you how to do that. So, but you're telling me to avoid mine. So that's what we do, right? It's called white noise that they made it in the NFL. I didn't okay. make the term up, but I learned it, right? One of my defensive coaches taught me, eliminate the white noise. What that means is eliminate any distractions to keep you Okay, you told me we have a meeting today. I'm here on time. Eliminate the white noise. Somebody could have been like, man, F that. That's white noise. Why he, why he or she telling me not to go do something yeah. that's implemental to society? This can help someone. This yeah. can be educational or purposeful in any way it's meant to be. Right. I eliminated that. I don't listen to that. I'm going here because my purpose is my purpose. So, yeah, that's best did, way I can did answer some that. Some of this, uh, let's touch on this too, because you have a pretty awesome foundation, the Hero Foundation that you Aha, work with. My boy, is this is this where some of that passion for that came from? I mean, uh, let's talk about that a little bit because, okay. like, 
that's uh, foundation, the Hero Foundation. I think 2014 you started that around yes. there? Um, and then that's for helping equip disadvantaged student athletes to have the opportunities to be successful and to pursue a D1 scholarship and mm-hmm. all these things. And from what I know, I think it's been pretty damn 100% on on that. So tell us a little bit about that and maybe where those passions came from because I think more that's than a perfect. More than happy. First, big right out, there. big shout out to Chris James. Chris James, big six. Love you, bro. You the truth. You my dog. What you doing for the program and our kids? Only God sin. Blessings. So hero stand for heroics, ever rising over hell. And what that means in Chicago, all we got is gang banging and drugs. We are a basketball city, mainly. So if you making it football, it ain't like down here in Texas where football God. We don't got no $12 million high school football stadiums. Yeah. Chicago Public School, it's 10 to 15, 20 schools sharing one football field called Gagley Stadium. What we was able to do, Chris James too, he's, 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 the, he's, the, he's our head of our whole tribe, right? With a kind of hero, okay? Yeah. All the credit go to, go, goes to Chris James because he spent I got you. every day there with the boys. Yeah. Okay? We have developed it. When it first started, through the passion of what me and him went through, we went to, so he went to Morgan Park, I went to high, uh, Simeon High School. We played against okay. each other. We was high school rivals, but we went to the same college together. So me, him, and Juice Williams was high school rivals. Three of the best high school players to put on for every college student after us. We all went to University of Illinois. Hero started because we took the same study hall that they taught us in college. We, we teamed up with Alcat from Houston, I mean from Austin. So what we offer now is ACT, SAT preparation before they take it. Every kid that enters our program has a D1 scholarship. Wow. We literally structure where some kids may need to get picked up from school. You know, it's gang violence, mom and dad don't got a car, can't afford a bus fare. Some of these kids don't even got food to eat at night. It's when we give more of us, ourselves, our own money, our own earnings, yeah, our own love, back to our program. So our program now has been up for over 10 years. We have our own facility. We work on bigger grants. Uh, it's magnificent. Oh, my God. Like, uh, I'm just so happy that we're able to get so many kids scholarships and able to help them and teach them, like, and tell them uh, the difficult questions they have for months uh, recruiting. How do you find an agent? How do you find the right college for you? I have. How do you make a highlight tape? How you make a highlight tape? I got ten schools that want me. How you know where to commit to? There's a lot of things. That's awesome, man. Kudos Bless to you. That's a that's an awesome thing you guys put together. Man, it's amazing, bro. Now, I don't normally do this. Hey, we also take any donations, so anybody that want to donate to the Hero Foundation, yes. it's H-E-R-O-H Foundation. Uh, you would contact Chris James, and, or you could contact me directly. Directly. Uh, you can hit my social media, One True King Midas, 
you can call me personally at 469-309-0378. That's my personal inbox. And I will direct you to Chris James so we can continue helping these kids. And I appreciate it. Blessings. And we will put those links in the show when this goes air sure. live. That'll all be linked on there. So we'll and that goes for any of these things you've got working that we'll we'll tie that in there so the people know where that. to connect and find you. Appreciate That's that. one of the funny things too when I do this, even though this isn't my day job, I mean I'm in construction. So like when I get asked, people are like well, how did you know so-and-so? And They think so many of these people are so unapproachable. You said construction, right? Let yeah. me ask you something. Have you uh, ever heard of Belgian Stone? Yeah. You know they from Europe. Yeah. When we're trying to get something down here, what's up? All right, all right. I, I, mean, I, 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 I got I the right contact probably, for you. Uh, I got the right contact for you now. All right. I'm talking about beautiful. Like, make the house look real elegant inside, out. And the heat, the stone don't heat up. Yeah. So you got to worry about, you know how you walk outside, especially pool time? Yeah. It don't get hot. All right. Yeah, well, I, I, I can definitely connect you with some people that that would work well with, for sure. Um, I don't normally do this. I'm going to, like, start. I mean, you all see me. I, I don't normally keep my notes all like this, but there's just so many things that I wanted to dive in with you. And I don't normally, like, just straight read this, but this question, this What's came up? from a conversation that we had, and I missed the first part of it, all but right. you were so Talk passionate about it. I want to make sure I, I word this correctly to kind of set the stage for this because I know what kind of gyms you're going to give us and I know how passionate you are about this. So I know how much like economic equality is like very important and it's kind of a background in some of these things you do from where you grew up to what you try to do. So we all know of the atrocities of both the past and the present regarding the black community and what does that look like to you to navigate through those social barriers and social dilemmas to still have success? And what do you think other communities, the white community, other communities, what do you think that they can do to maybe help more to move past that? Because I think a lot of the things that you do or that you're a part of work towards doing that? It's honestly as simple as this. We all live in one nation. Go to another country. Especially countries doing good. We all the same, yo. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like just because of the the black how skin is made don't differentiate how you think or how I think or how I should treat my loved ones or wife or either other, like, you probably went through a similar situation that I went through. Right. This don't have nothing to do with... White, black, red, White, black, orange, red, orange, all that shit. Whatever. It got something to do with the significance of yeah. we both messed up or we. I just want to learn how to overcome this, right? Yeah. So to answer that question, I'm going to just continue being the leader I am. Like I, I got a, I got a big strong ambition in my in my heart and my soul where God led me to, and I just want us to get together to know that uh, we need to take the liquor stores out of our neighborhoods. We need to put more hospitals where we at, more clinics. The, we, when we do that, hatred would erase because we focus on health. See, we die. See, people are angry because nobody healthy. That's the solution. It's health. It ain't got shit to do with nothing else. It's health. It's health. 
people are not healthy. If you're not healthy, you're not happy. When you're not happy, all other possibilities of excuses and explanations occur. And healthy don't don't necessarily mean health-wise. Healthy could be somebody bothered you at work today and you came and worked good, having a good vibe. Yeah. Or the wifey called. Share something about the finances. You start treating the people at your work bad because something happened personal. Health. Right on, man. It's health. Go back to mental health, too. Mental health, same thing. Yeah. All of it ties into it, bro. All of it ties it back to the same. All of it ties back into it. I'm going to let the next question come because I got something I was about to talk about, another nonprofit that I have. Go right into it. So it's called Spice Foundation. We focus on mental health. Okay. And and the whole point of Spice is to help not just athletes, every individual who's going through mental health. See, mental health ain't just, oh, I lost a job. Mental health could be like what we just discussed. Yeah. You overwhelmed at home. Uh, you don't know how to talk to your peers correctly. You don't know how to lead your team. You don't know how to take a, 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 you just got fired. You don't know how to take the loss in transition. So it's different levels of mental health, transitional health, challenging Absolutely. health, responsibility health, being disappointed health, hurt, pain, anger, injury, finances, got more money, got less money. That's mental health issues. So how do people get involved with Spice? How, how, how do they get involved Good question. With that? So right now you contact us. You contact me directly, and I will send you right to our, our director, my sister, her twin, her name, Keisha. Um, and we'll send you right, the, right to the website. You can go to Spouse Foundation as well. Uh, we have a foundation, spicefoundation.org. Uh, you can go to the website. And we also developing a, a health standpoint to the Spice Foundation that I will be also in charge of where we take in uh, the the point of fitness and I'm tying into mental health where we can okay. talk to one another but work out. It's just not going to be trying to get rah-rah big. It's more so being around people that Damn, I wanted to get Martez jacked. Hey, don't get me wrong. You're trying to get this. Now you got to pay for it, bro. <laughs> hey, as long as they trying to pay for it, bro. Look, look. Hey, look. You can <laughs> <laughs> well, what now, else? I ain't free you? now. Look, I don't do nothing free, bro. Ah, <laughs> oh, you hear me? Hey, anybody watching? Hey, look, you know what I'm talking about? Well, What's what up? else are you working on? Because we're about to wrap this up. I'm just gonna have to have you back for another episode at some point. Because indeed, I know we're getting towards the time where we gotta go enjoy some cigars with whoever's coming to join us today and sit back and enjoy that. Indeed, but indeed. What other All right, so to close it on? out. Uh, to close it out on, on behalf of us, what I got working, what I got cooking right now, we have a business called Network to Connect, right? Okay. What we just started, and this business focuses on, we basically like a resource, a, a, a big hub of resources that put the right people in the right seats, whether you looking for funding, looking for credit building, looking for ways to, a uh, business strategic partner, something we develop where you may have a business but not know how to continue the steps to help your business excel. Yeah. You hire us. Um, we ain't a marketing firm. We more towards the business strategic side of helping you implement what you already doing but need almost like that life coach. It's okay. no different than a life coach. It's no different than a fitness coach. It's a business coach. Yeah. It's no different. 
Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? We ain't financial gurus, so disclaimer. We ain't saying we're your, your accountant. We ain't, we ain't none of them things. But we're going to strategically help you design your business for, so you can execute. And on top of that, I'm doing music now. Yeah, I just jumped into the music industry. I got, got some things I want to voice out to the world. And that's some things that we got cooking right now. All right, I ain't letting you forget about this. And Khalid's going to get mad if you don't talk about it, too. We got to ah. talk about the 50 years of hip-hop thing, man. 50 years I'm, of fashion, baby! I'm looking forward to this. Like, I, I I can't wait to go to this. I, like, I'm not done. So with Network to Connect, we also throw, like, events. We throw fashion shows. So people, so people hire us, right? So... If you wanted to have a big fashion show, a big event, no matter what the event is, you call us. Uh, my big bro, Kali Sailor, uh, also my business partner, he's he's a project manager by trade, right? Yeah. So he lead our crew to helping us control any project when it's when it's time to execute as far as the project management side of things, right? Yeah. From A to Z. I'm talking about taking a corporate world to teaching us how to do corporate worlds in our business. Like, I'm talking about structure it yeah. from A to Z. We're going to let just, him meet Kali soon, too. We're going to have to get Kali Oh, man, look, let we him, can, let hey, hey, definitely invite him to you because, look, he has so much intellect that he don't even know that, that the world needs to learn from him that uh, we just haven't developed, especially as a leader in our community, that we, we all willing to learn a different side of how it works. Yeah, you know that's the only way we're gonna sell when we hear it and learn from it and able to dissect it and you know yeah. and create a formula. What's yeah, already we got some music it, you know? stuff coming as well that we're adding a music podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, sure Kali and I were play. talking about that a little bit. Oh me, we're gonna tie that in because a lot of people don't know. And like Kali helped put on some of the stuff with the with the troops talk and about stuff. It. Talk about it. Like what putting else? it out there. We 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 can't talk about all of it yet. It, it's coming. I, I'm, uh, that's going to be a teaser, but it, it's Already. coming because we're doing some of that stuff. we got to get some Already. stuff trademarked, get that stuff done, and then it'll come out. I like that. Yeah. I like that. All right, man. So there's two things we ask everybody at the end of the show. What's that? And this is your chance to go on this. So if you got to leave your children uh-huh. with one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Remember who you are and what I taught you, and especially to my son. And I tell him this, how was you born? He was born ready. What are you? You're a king. You're a leader. You're a boss. You're special. You're loved. You're great. You're successful. And it goes on. Remember the affirmations of how great we are because no one can take how great you are when you remember what you're meant to do. Absolutely. That's the best thing I could leave. All right. Now this might get real wild. Now, the show's called Common Sense, the podcast. Okay. So we talk about common sense, and hopefully people learn from the stories, the lessons, and are able to go from there and pick up something that they can apply in their life, right? Okay. So maybe there's something that's popped up that we didn't get to get to. Maybe there's something else you wanted to talk about or say, but now's a chance where you get to give us Martez's two cents. Might as well listen and follow anything that we're doing. I don't see why not. Might as well. <laughs> can't hurt. It can't hurt. Can't hurt. That's it. That's all. What can't we do win. You hear me, baby? Yeah. Well, man, I greatly appreciate ah. sitting ah. down with you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. It's been great to become friends with you and to have you in the circle and someone that I can talk to and bounce things off of. 
Um, I look forward to doing this again with you at some point. And, man, all the blessings to what you're doing and what you're working on. We'll link that all up in the show notes and everything for y'all. But until next time, y'all have a great time. We're out. Peace.